be king. Gods, knights, squires, prepare for battle. Fire. <laughs> what a night. Uh, good evening, everyone on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter live. And, um, we have a very, very interesting show prepared for tonight. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, one of the words that Julia likes to say that we're going to just throw in a box. So Julia has this box that she said we will put words in them. One of the words that she said we were going to put um, in there was, what was the word again, Julia? We was going to put it in the box and throw it away, not sacrifice. Um, Oh, what was the word? But anyway, I can't remember. Excuse me, everybody. I can't remember you. But, but we, but in that box, in that box, we're gonna put transparency in that word because I think transparency is a little overrated and it's yes. it's, it's used a little too much. Yes. Well, so tonight's tonight's episode is titled "Wisdom," but um, for those of you in the chat that have read this portion of the book. Know that on March 25th, 2016, this young lady's life changed. And it, and really, it had nothing to do with the journey of the book, but she went through a lot of changes in her life physically, emotionally, spiritually. Her faith was really challenged. Um so we need to be very, very sensitive tonight because Julia may be a, it may be a little puddle. She got her tissues, but she's going to try to be as um, reflecting upon that that night as um, as possible. Um, March twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. Yes. Explain to us what happened. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, so on March 25th, 2016, that was actually a good Friday. And, um, generally on good Fridays, I would 
have off from work. So I would make sure to attend the um, last seven words service at my church. And this particular Friday, I decided not to go. The weeks prior, I had a, a terrible breakup that I was still dealing with. My great aunt, who I love dearly, was knocking on death's door. Um, I was stressed at work. I was just going through a lot. And I wasn't my regular self. My regular self is one who is very orderly, planned everything out, um, OCD to a certain extent on certain things. And generally when I would when I would come home on this day, I was coming home. And generally when I would come home, I had a, a stool by my by my door so I could sit down, take off my shoes, put my slippers on, and, and walk about my house. I had um parquet wood floors in my in my home. And because I had been running and taking care of everyone else um, for the weeks prior, I didn't have an opportunity to clean my floor. So I knew that they were slippery because I had slipped the day before. Didn't fall, but slipped. So this evening, when I came in the house, I took my shoes off, but I didn't put my slippers on. And I had on stockings or pantyhose. And... My phone was in my bedroom and it rang and I went to go get it and I slipped and I ended up slicing the right side of my head on my dresser. And I didn't know that that had happened. I just remember running for the phone and then waking up sometime later in a puddle of blood with blood running down my face. I didn't reach to feel what had happened to me, but I knew it was bad because my consciousness was off. I knew I had to go to the hospital. So by the grace of God, I was able to get up and shower because, you know, my family's, you know, if you <laughs> if you're gonna be in the hospital, you gotta you gotta make sure you take a shower before you go, just like you gotta clean the entire house before you go on vacation. So I got in the shower, I wrapped a towel around my head, I, I got in the shower and I called EMS. And there were two gentlemen that came to my house. And one of them asked me to remove the towel from my head. So I removed the towel and he said to me, he said, who did this to you? And I told him I, I fell and he didn't believe me. He had the other gentleman, the EMS worker who was there, walk through my, walk through the house just to make sure no one was there. When he came out of the, the bedroom area and I saw his face, I knew that something bad had happened. But either way, they took me to the emergency room. I ended up with um, 14 staples in my head, stitches, everything. And I'm a, I'm a lighthearted person. So while we were in the hospital, 
my mom was there, my friend was there. It was like, you know, it was it was really no no big deal. It was like I, I at that point of my life, I was so used to being hurt that it just mm. seemed like normal, okay. just, just par for the course. This par for the course. Like we're gonna get these staples and these stitches and we're gonna go home and we're gonna recuperate and we're gonna get back to life as normal. I was in the hospital overnight, got home the next morning. I got to the hospital maybe around eight, nine o'clock in the evening and got home the next morning around 6.30. And when I walked into my apartment, I saw blood on my walls. When I had gotten up, I couldn't feel my, I couldn't like walk on my own. So I held the walls to, to get to the bathroom. So there was blood all over my walls. It looked like a crime scene. There was um, a puddle of blood on my bedroom floor. There was blood underneath the dresser, on top of the dresser. And I looked to see what had lacerated my head. And the dresser had knobs on it, but it also had like beautiful words on each drawer, like peace and laughter and happiness and, and love. And the, the peace that had lacerated my head was on the dresser drawer that had wisdom written on mm. it. Well, well, well. Up until so this, that. Hmm? So this was like Good Friday. You hurt you, you you hurt yourself. Now when you get home, you see all the damage. Because sometimes when, when the accident happened, if you don't see your blood, you are you're really like okay, like you said, you're a happy go lucky person. All right, I'm good. But now you're going home and you see, as we would say, the damage what happened happened from falling. And the only thing that stuck in your head, which literally was the thing that hurt you from the fall was wisdom. Wow. So this is how this chapter in the book came about. Um, speaking about that part of the jewel in the crown and wisdom. And so you have a, a, a deep, uh, understanding of what wisdom is about what what even though i read read the chapter three times um explain to us how i know one portion of the book you, you explained how prior to this you always felt alone like you was in this in this journey of life and you know as we say alone the, uh, the road as they say a road less traveled or whatever Explain to how that at that moment with the love and support that you got, how you realized you was never alone. The the first thing, Quentin, is that the only thing that picked me up from that floor was grace and God's love. There was no way 
that I was able to make it to the bathroom in the condition that I was in. I could barely see. And not because not because I had blood in my face, but because my consciousness was off. But I was able to do everything I needed to do, you know, to get to get ready. And so that was the first awareness to me. After the sometime after the accident, I saw a meme where there's a lady, there's a lady who's laying on the floor and she's getting up and she's leaving her old self behind. It felt like it felt like that, mm-hmm. like I was being picked up, that I was I was coming up new. But I know that I didn't do that by myself or on my own strength. I felt a presence. The next thing is that, you know, it didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen immediately, but like three weeks after the accident, I started having like friends come to visit and call and family be concerned, but it didn't happen immediately. And I'm glad that it didn't happen immediately because that was the most alone I had ever felt in my life. I was injured. I lost feeling in my hand. I still have um, whatever nerve damage there was to the like the way that your body is set up, whatever your nerves you have on um, the right side of your body affect the functioning on your left side. So I still have like a drooped mouth from it and you know sometimes issues with my with my eye and my hand so i still have those things but those first 3 weeks i was by myself like really really by myself it was just me and god and it was through that experience that i realized that no matter who is physically around me spiritually I'm covered. What what made you when you was putting together the book? A lot of times we don't talk about spe- specific situations that go on. What made you want to put this in your book? What made me want to put put this in the book, I was speaking to someone that I care for deeply yesterday. And, you know, we were we were talking about how you can't really understand. I think exactly what we said was you can't understand who you are until you understand where you are. And we're so busy in our lives, busy working, busy going to school, busy taking care of family, busy taking care of um, responsibilities, busy being angry, busy being um, busy. We're so busy that we're doing all those all these things and we're not connected to ourselves. And I believe that each of us have that opportunity to be connected to ourselves. And sometimes when and there's always an opportunity presenting itself for us to be still, peace, be still 
and know that I am God. There's always that opportunity. However, we don't pay attention to it because we're listening and we're doing and we're moving. And the reason why I put it in the book is because I think people can be aware that they can take that time, make the time, create the space. A lot of us arrive at that knowing of who we are because of where we are. We end up in situations where there's nothing but us and space and I God. Wanna, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, from, from the shows that we've done prior, Mm-hmm. Whether it was Crown Rules 2 or Crown Rules, um, and being able to discuss these type of issues with you, I truly believe that um, this situation was a outside of the physical aspect that you the, the physical trauma. This situation was a recalibration for you. Because one of the things that you spoke about in the chapter was how responsible, irresponsible you were with finances. You want to speak about that? Absolutely. Um, at that point in my life, like we we talked about on prior shows, I was at the top of my game. I had spent like 20 years at my organization. I had climbed the corporate ladder. I was making six figures. Like I was balling, I was balling, but I was still having financial difficulties. And the reason why I was having financial difficulties was because number one, I didn't have a respect for the money because I didn't have a respect for the work that I was doing. I couldn't stand my job. Number two, I felt like I could take this and, you know, pay whatever bills I have, but I know more money's coming in. So whatever. And, you know, in addition to that, I didn't have any financial goals. I had no financial goals. I I think at that point in my life, I wasn't really concerned about tomorrow. And so when the injury happened, when the accident happened and I was on disability, I wasn't getting a check regularly like I was when I was working. They were sending me checks whenever they felt like it. And Mm. that caused so much stress and anxiety for me because even though I may not have been financially responsible in one one regard, I always pay my bills and I always pay my bills on time, if not in advance. And because I had not saved, because I had not saved, I was struggling. I wasn't behind on my bills, but I didn't like the fact that I, I couldn't feel comfortable in the fact that I know it was coming in. Like I had to I had to wait. And so what I also started doing was I started rationing my food. And I was like excessively extravagant with that before. Like I throw the whole meal away. Right. So I started, <laughs> started rationing my food. I started like thinking about. What do I need versus what do I want and and focusing on my needs? And so, you know, as a result of the accident and the and the change in in money um, that was coming in, it it caused me to be more responsible. It caused me to be a better steward of of what I was receiving. But then I also decided I'm not going to just be dependent on one job. 
for for my income. Like I have to be able to get it multiple ways because what if they decided they didn't want me anymore? What was I going to do? What if let me ask you, you know that that sounds that sounds interesting because you prior to prior to this day you lived a very very structured life. Basically you lived you lived a life your life had an itinerary every day where you knew everything was down doing down to a T. Okay, this is my routine. And then something like this happens and then like I can only imagine the financial aspect of how it being able to not follow the routine that you had established for so long, how now it was going into other things in your psyche. Like you said, it can lead to depression. It can lead to overeating. It could lead to lack of eating. It could lead to a lot of uh, other issues. How did you manage that? You know what? I'm going to ration my food. I'm going to be real frugal. But I got to understand, like, at the end of the day, I have no control over certain things. How did you handle that? I didn't handle that well. (laughs) I, I I didn't handle that well at all. I was hashtag losing it, okay? One of the, not to blame anybody or, you know, criticize anybody, but one of the things that I had learned from my experience in life up until that point was that I felt like I couldn't count on anybody. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to do everything myself. And because I felt like I had to do everything myself, it was like, all right, I have to I have to really sit down and understand what needs to be done. I have to do it and I have to make sure that I do it in this amount of time. It was so much stress. And the other thing was that I didn't trust anybody either. So I wouldn't ask for support when I was overwhelmed or I wouldn't feel free to say, hey, can you take care of this or to say, no, I can't do this right now, which is what we were talking about in balance last week. Like I was just doing it all. And I felt good about that because I felt like I was in control of it, but not being able to do what I needed to do when I needed to do it. I mean, Quentin, my injury, the results from my injury was so bad that I used to drive to work. It was like a a 30, a 30 minute drive to work if I left on time. I suffered anxiety from that accident so bad that I would have heart palpitations and would have to pull off from the highway and just sit on the side of the road for like 15, 20 minutes. And I had to tell my boss, like, listen, I'm doing my best. I couldn't get dressed because my hand, I lost um, use of my hand. So I couldn't get dressed. I couldn't put my earrings on. I couldn't really do my hair. I would have to wait till I got to work to have my, my secretary like finish buttoning me up or putting my jewelry on. It was like, it was crazy, but I'm so grateful for that moment because it, it really solidified my faith. Like number one, thinking that I was doing it all was an illusion. Mm. It was an illusion. 
thinking you was doing it all by yourself, it was an illusion. It was an illusion. Um, there was there was grace and mercy that was that was in, infused in everything that I was doing. So let me let me ask you, um, because I know that you 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 were one of those people that even though it was an accident, it was a purpose. Um, what did you do with the dresser? Well, <laughs> did you beat the dresser up or did you save that little piece? I was scared to death of that dresser and I saved that little piece. I saved really? that little piece. The The piece was a, a round, flat pole. And I had fell so hard that I bent it. My, I, I bent it, so I kept, I kept it. But that dresser, I moved it like away from me. You know, I, I was fortunate that my space was big, and I didn't have to have it where it was. So I, I moved it, so I didn't have to look at it. But every so time you, I did look at it, so did you, so you want to get some goggles, a bat, and just go to town on that dresser? I didn't because I was grateful. I was grateful. Like the the three weeks that I was by myself and alone, it was just me and God and 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 we were tussling. We were tussling. Everything that I was disappointed about, I got that out. Everything that I was ashamed of, I got that out. Everything that I was hurt about, I got that out. Everything that I had hoped for, I started building that. Everything that I trusted for, I started building that. Everything that I wanted to believe in, I started building that. Even though I, um, even though I wasn't like in my best physical shape, I had a neighbor who lived close to me that worked at my job, and she knew what had happened. She would come get me and take me on walks so I could build my physical body. And it was like I'm not going to let this beat me. They were telling me that I needed to have surgery to restore my hand, and I would just sit and pray and send, you know, positive energy or healing energy to my body. And by the time three months, four months had passed, they were like, oh, you don't need surgery. Everything is, you know, good. So I'm not mad at that dresser. I wasn't mad so, at that dresser. So as as a reader of your work, and many in the chat have read your book, and for all those that have purchased Crown Rose, um, they've been on this journey with you. And it it hopefully your journey can inspire them to re be reflecting on their journey. And a lot of times people don't understand. You know, you know the meme. If I I don't look like what I went through, and a lot of people don't realize that um we all have a journey that we all go through, and sometimes it could be ugliness. It could be revealing. So what what would you advise somebody that went through something so very traumatic in their life, whether it was accident or death, anything? Trauma is trauma. Um, what would you advise them to do? I try to set an example in the book for each area. So I name each area where I gained wisdom, like my physical, my physical health, my emotional thinking, my financial health, 
um, the supports I had around me. I try to set an example in the book wherein I looked at each of those areas while I was recovering. And as bad as things were, I was able to find the light. So the first thing is like find the light. Even if you experience a traumatic experience, you've survived it. You're still here. So find the light. And then for each of those areas, I also was very intentional during that time to try to pull out the wisdom. Say that again. I'm sorry. You were say that again. You were what? I was intentional about trying to understand the wisdom behind those things. Like my physical health, I will always be concerned about, about my health and my well-being, like almost to the extent of like being a hypochondriac, probably. You know, I don't wanna label it that, but just to make the point that I was so concerned. And after the accident, I learned that I have control over my body. I can heal my body, not just with the things I eat, but also with my mind. And my focus, you know what and I mean. We, so we a, it's like find the wisdom. Huh? We, had a, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I, like I told you behind the scenes, and you told me about your accent, and I told you, I I I heard you, but I wasn't listening. Mm. Um, and you had told me about the accent, and I never got up to this point in the book, even in the first ep- even in the first edition, I didn't read this far, and um. I thought when you first said accident, I'm like, oh, she was in a car accident. Uh, so when I opened up the chapter to review for tonight's show, and I'm like, the accident. Okay. And I'm like, you know, because you you painted a, a, a great picture in the book. So I'm picturing everything, and I'm like, you fell. So I'm going to ask you a question. You know, I always have a joke or two. And I always try to put a smile on people's faces. Do you still have wood floors? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh-huh. But you know what I also have? I also have balance in my life. Mm. I also am I also am at peace. I also have joy in my heart. I also am doing what I love. I also am surrounded by people I love. I also am surrounded by my tribe. I, you know, so I have the wood floors, but it's different because I'm okay. So let me let me ask you a question. Like when you when you speak about that, like you know, um, as they say, which one of the favors of your Lord will you deny? I'm sorry. As they say, which one of the favors of your Lord would you deny? Mm. Like you were, you were, you were getting the blessing. All this stuff was going on prior, and like, not to say that you were taking it for granted, but you probably didn't see it. And now the accident happened. Like, okay, I see it. Like you see everything now. Like you speak about your tribe, you speak about your energy, you speak about just everything around you. How like really you're at peace in understanding that grace, that mercy, and that wisdom. How just give me a second. 
Mm-hmm. How? How do you manage when the negative energy come your way? I know a lot of times we uh, conversate and you'd be like, well, let me tell you about this one. <laughs> then, we, then it's always a, a, a funny, you know, me, me and you have a, a chemistry where we're always laughing about something. You know, and I had, uh, I sent you a video this week um, of a video that you had shared, I think it was about six months ago. Yes. And um, then I put a video on social media and I tagged you and you thought that was the video. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh. So so how do, how do you feel like, you know, you establish this, this, this circle, this tribe. And like, you know, I know one of the things before that you had told me, and um, you might get on me because I might be telling a little too much that um, you didn't really talk about your accident. Like when you first told me, like, you don't know I had an accident. I'm like, you know, okay. And, but, but, like you, like you, like you said, like some of the the physical trauma, and and sometimes we um think like you know, okay, I'm getting better, I feel better, but you know, you conscious like people might notice like I was hurt, I was in an accident, and one of the things we're doing the shows like you know, yeah, you could do a live on your own social media, but then when you start dealing with other people, and it's like, how do you deal with that, like? being self-conscious Quentin it's so amazing it's so amazing I think as a young woman I never really experienced my beauty which is the next chapter you know for next week I never experienced my beauty I always thought that something was wrong with me or that I didn't fit in or that you know I wasn't I wasn't beautiful I felt I, I lived my life like that and and it, it made me very humble. It made, it made me very humble. And that's not to say that like I'm all that, but I just, everybody's beautiful. You have to be able to see your own beauty. And I didn't see mine. And right leading right up to the accident is when I started to feel like I'm beautiful. I started to look at pictures when I was younger and I was so remorseful that I didn't understand or appreciate how beautiful I was. I was just coming into understanding my beauty. And the moment that I did, I have, you know, stitches on the side of my face. I had a hole here. My, my mouth is drooping. My teeth were shifted. And it was like, damn, I'm just starting to appreciate myself. And here we go. The saddest thing, though, the saddest thing, but also the most beautiful moment of self-love for me was that I came home from the hospital. I was home all that day. The next morning when I woke up, my entire head and face was swollen. Like, that episode when Martin Ford, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I was missing was lumps. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, you, you said that you were, you were one of those people that had the, 
that didn't understand your beauty. So, you know me. I know your spot. So that young boy at Popeye's drive through and be like, you cute. You always make me want the sandwich. That, 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 wasn't a, that wasn't a defining moment when you had like a 20-year-old like cat calling you and you was like, me? Boy, I'm on the let me tell you what happened. I go into I go into my bathroom at the time. And like I said, I'm happy go lucky. So I'm like, let me go in the mirror. Let me look in the mirror and see what I need to, you know, do to start healing my face cuz my grown when you're when you're light skin and you're young, you always end up in fights. So my mom always had to take care of my face. So it's like, okay, let's get to this bathroom. Let's take care of this face. And I'm swollen, eyes almost shut. And in that moment, I didn't look like myself at all. So the question was, well, what am I going to look like when this is over? But then the next question was, who are you mm. without your appearance? Mm. Interesting. That's interesting. Who are you without your appearance? I got myself all the way together. You're intelligent, you're caring, you're, com you're compassionate, you're loving, you're warm, you're generous, you're unique, you're special, you're all of those things and you're gonna be all of those things whether you look like you're like you know yourself to be or not, you have to make a choice in this moment whether or not you're going to make your looks more be more important than who you are. I had to make that choice, and when I made that choice, I chose to love who I am and not what I look like, and it made me more beautiful. Wow. That was the defining moment, huh? That was the defining moment. And still humble. Because I realized that, you know, the things that we complain about and the issues and the, things can change in an instant. And that's why, you know, I put this in the book. Don't wait for something major or drastic to happen to just sit yourself down and have a conversation with God or whoever your higher power is, and just ask yourself this one question, why am I here? Once you ask that question, you're gonna get a whole bunch of answers. You're gonna get a whole bunch of answers. So you so, so you started to realize, okay, right now, physically, I may not look like the person I am, but who am I? I'm fly on the inside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so is everybody else like you man you think you think that in the age of social media during this pandemic where we've seen a lot of death a lot of a lot of death um a lot of us have, as they say, the pandemic body. We may have got some extras. Do you think that a lot of times people don't realize how beautiful um, they are? 
No. They don't. Sometimes you just have to. I think about these young women who are going to get implants in their behinds and implants in their breast and their lips and their nose. And, you know, it's nice to be sexually appealing. I don't, you know, after after you toss it around a little bit, I don't know what you got after that. You know what I mean? And who knows what it's going to look like when you turn 70 and your skin ain't as tight as it used to be. You're going to have ass on the back of your knees, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying. Sometimes you have to look at your skin and how beautiful your skin is, like your complexion and the texture and and all of that. And and just look at the the structure of your face. Like you have bones of your ancestors. One of, one like, of the things, and it's funny you're talking about that. I think that has been a, one of our uh, points during these conversations and even in Crown Rules to How Black Men Love is that rocking chair moment when you are with your mate or whatever, or, or some of us choose to be by ourselves in that solitude, because that solitude is priceless. When you can look and see how your skin has aged. When you could be reflecting and understanding that journey. You gotta love the skin you are in. You gotta love the, you gotta love the skin you are in, your eyes, your lips, your legs, and you know we all, we all want to be perfect, and we all criticize ourselves daily, daily, especially especially during the pandemic. Like, go ahead and try to put on a pair of jeans and they don't fit. You're gonna have a whole <laughs> conversation with yourself you know, beating yourself up. Just go get some leggings and work on it. But like, love yourself. Love yourself. Mm. Love yourself. Mm. Love yourself. And then as you, as you begin to love yourself, you begin to be able to love other people. It's like you were saying earlier about how do I respond to negativity? I try to see the the light in other people, but I also understand their darkness. And darkness tends to travel just like light does. So I try to stay away. I don't want that on me. I don't need that on me. Keep it. You could keep it. We good over here. I like to be surrounded by light. <laughs> <laughs> what? Someone put, oh, Adwina put, um, identity is so, identity is so important. Yes, self love is a practice. Preach. It's a practice. So, it's, Julie, you know, I, in the next chapter, we I talk about in the next chapter of the book, it is about beauty, and I talk about like how you can love yourself, like the things that you're critical about. Take a picture of yourself today with all your criticisms. If you look back at that picture. Two years from now, you're going to see it. See it now. Don't wait. So I have, um, I'm speechless with this chapter. I'm speechless. Me too. There's not much I can say. I have no final words. 
the only final words I have is that my, you know, my 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 grand my grandmother, my great auntie, all of the older women in my life who love me, they would sometimes talk about a come to Jesus moment, and I would never, like, okay, understand what that was. We all have an opportunity, no matter what your higher power is, what you believe in. We all have an opportunity to sit in silence and and have that connection and understand just how beautiful and valuable we are without all of these other trappings. Allow yourself to get into that space without having to go through something traumatic, without having to be forced to sit in silence. Create that space for yourself and connect and just see the, and pay attention to your experience. There's wisdom in your experience. People, get so mad about things that happen to them. Like those, everything that happens pushes you along. For those in the chat, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you share, make sure you hit the like button. If you're on Facebook, make sure you hit the, uh, the love emoji or the care emoji. This is what triggers the algorithm. So the page could grow. And, um, Next Thursday, we will meet you guys here at the same time, same place. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for going on this journey with Julia in this March 25th, 2016 moment. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please continue to join us here for conversations on hot topics, interviews with special guests and our future programs such as the poetry corner where you can hear dope poets from around the country creating that poet cafe vibe and crown rules our virtual book club on love intimacy and healthy relationships let's talk we are everywhere you want to be follow us on youtube at let's talk facebook at let's talk and on instagram at let's talk 1931 have a suggestion Give us a call at 570-795-4283. Or for business inquiries, please email us at ltalk5600 at gmail. Let's talk. I order you, you order me, and we go together. Please don't forget to like, share, follow, or subscribe.